Welcome to Swift Unwrapped, a show about the Swift programming language and other projects at Swift.org. I'm JP Smart. And I'm Jesse Squires. And before we get started, I'd like to thank our first sponsor, which is Clubhouse. Clubhouse is the first project management platform for software development that brings everyone on every team together to build better products. Clubhouse provides the perfect balance of simplicity and structure for better cross-functional collaboration. Its fast, intuitive interface makes it easy for people on any team to focus in on their work on a specific task or project, while also being able to zoom out to see how that work is contributing towards the bigger picture. With a simple API and robust set of integrations, Clubhouse also seamlessly integrates with the tools you use every day, getting out of your way so you can deliver quality software on time. If you're interested in checking them out, go to clubhouse.io slash Swift Unwrapped. All right, Jesse, today we should talk about SC264, which is a proposal that's currently under review, uh, which pitches to add a standard library preview package, which would be this Swift Package Manager uh, package that you can pull down and try out some of the upcoming uh, changes that are being considered for uh, inclusion in the Swift standard library. Interesting. Um, what are some of the motivations behind this? Right, and this is actually uh, something that some other languages do. Um, there's uh, Babel, or yeah, I guess it's Babel for JavaScript. Um, if you've ever looked at Babel, it's a way for you to use modern or even upcoming features of JavaScript and have that sort of cross-compile to uh, to various you know, stable JavaScript versions out there. So it's sort of a way for you to test some things out. Um, and it's something that we've actually covered on the show before. So it's great to see uh, that, uh, that this is actually being pushed forward. Um, some of the advantages of, of having a preview package, and this would literally be called Swift Preview as the module name, would be for uh, anyone who's looking to help uh, review some of the upcoming Swift features, or maybe there's something that's coming in Swift 5.2 that you really start to you really want to start to use right away. It'd be a way for you to actually kick the tires on that new functionality uh, without necessarily having to wait for that change to officially land in a Swift version. Right, and. It's possible to do this today, and it's actually gotten much better than before. You can download the custom tool chain, and Xcode has like the UI for this now, uh, I believe. And um, you can do that, but it's still a bit cumbersome to set up and, um, and to get going. And then you can't submit um, any apps um, using a custom tool chain. So if you're working on that just to play around, then you have to like go back and switch to the default toolchain um, to do like your quote real work. Um, so it's just kind of um, not the simplest process. Yeah, um, also if you just want to ship uh, something with your app that is coming in you know, a subsequent Swift release, like for example, 
as bool.toggle was being considered for, uh, for inclusion in the standard library, um, you actually had a lot of teams, companies, projects start to adopt a similar extension in their code to sort of ease a transition. I know in Lyft's code base, we've done this a number of times whenever we've had sort of upcoming um, collection or sequence APIs that were coming in a in a subsequent Swift version, and we sort of wanted to a uh, leverage that that functionality immediately without having to wait, but also b um, making sure that our implementation closely tracked what was coming in the future, so that there would be no surprises and it would ease a transition. Well, having uh, something like the Swift Preview package would allow people to do that um, much more broadly. Yeah, uh, when I was at uh, working at Playing Grid, we also did the same thing. We would have um, the Swift version checks, and we'd add new extensions or whatever was coming in the standard library. And then once we updated to the new version of Swift, we could just delete those extensions that we created ourselves, and and then everything would compile just fine. Yeah, the nice thing about that as well is uh, you you can um, you can even start to adopt. Uh, some of the stuff before it officially lands in an official Swift release. Like, for example, had the result type been developed with this library preview package available, Mm -hmm. then maybe we started to see uh, a shift in the community from using, say, like anti-typicals result library or some of the other popular result libraries out there to using uh, the one with the exact same implementation as was coming in a subsequent Swift release. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been extremely helpful. Uh, have you ever contributed to the standard library? Uh, I don't think that I have other than bugs at bugs.swift.org. I've only contributed really to the Swift Core Libs um, set of libraries. Mm-hmm. And even that, that was sort of more of a novelty thing. Is I, I think within a few weeks of it being open sourced, I went and just implemented some of the low-hanging fruit in NS Scanner. Um, Right. And and you know this is actually one of the one of the fallacies of open source. Um, you especially in the Apple community, I feel like a lot of people say, "Oh, if only Xcode were open source, I would go and fix this thing." And it turns out that the part that they're complaining about is completely open source, and they still don't actually take the time to go and fix it. Right? It's just sort of right. You have a lot of people who just sort of hide behind that. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I'm I'm like a little bit guilty of this. I try not to necessarily say if something were open source, I'd go and fix it because the reality is often much more complex than that. Um, sure. But, uh, you know, I often do not take on, um, say, like the, uh, the the burden or the workload to actually um, go and investigate a bug that is, uh, that is impacting me and, and actually go and dig deep into the internals of something and try to improve it or optimize it uh, or, or fix it. Um, and so really the only time that I've contributed was within a few weeks of uh, all of this stuff being open source. So it was more of a novelty than, um, mm-hmm. than something that, uh, that I do on a regular basis. Right. I did the same uh, with Corelips Foundation, some low-hanging fruit. Um, and, you know, one thing, if you wanted to contribute to the standard library, um uh I, I guess even currently um it's kind of 
uh, a hassle to to do if you just want to add um, something small. So uh, there have been proposals like what we just mentioned with the bool toggle uh, proposal, other additions to um, um, protocols like new methods on um, sequence or collection um, or renaming some of those methods. Um, those things are pretty small additive changes. And currently, if you want to do that, you have to build a custom tool chain. Um, you have to download um, download the tool chain, get that installed in Xcode, and it's kind of this whole big deal just to add something small to uh, the standard library. So that's another thing that this proposal aims uh, to fix where you just have this swift package and if all you are proposing is uh, a new type or a new protocol or an extension of an existing type or protocol uh, you can just add that to this package and that serves as your implementation for the evolution proposal yeah and this is something that people have done sort of on their own as well in the past like for example um if you have a standard library only change, well, maybe you do start prototyping it in a playground or you can expose it in your own Swift Package Manager compatible package. And I think I think of changes like um, SE220, uh, which was written by Saroosh Kanlu to add a count where extension to sequence. Um, and this was mm -hmm. a purely... Uh, um, Swift standard library only change. Uh, and unfortunately, as, as listeners of the show might already know, this is a change that was accepted, landed in the Swift standard library, and then was subsequently removed uh, because it was causing issues with, um, with the type checking or um, type resolution, rather. Um, but this is an example of, of uh, the kind of change that could have landed in the Swift uh, standard library preview package. Yeah, exactly. And then we could have pulled that in and started using it uh, early uh, without using or writing our own similar extension. Right. So let's start digging into some of the um, some of the design considerations as this is being pushed forward. So first and foremost, um, this is a proposal that's being driven by Ben Cohen. Max Moiseev and uh, Nate Cook. Apologies to Max if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I'm pronouncing Nate Cook correctly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so th this is being authored by three folks uh, who who work at Apple, and so um, you know you can tell that that this has been discussed internally, right? Mm -hmm. um, and not only that, but this is being pitched as a project that would live under the github.com slash Apple uh, organization, right? This would be a new repository that would expose uh, this, this Swift preview package that you would pull into your project just like any other Swift package manager package. Exactly. And the kinds of changes that they are proposing uh, would be a good fit for inclusion in this preview package are um, effectively things that are mostly additive to the standard library, right? It's the kind of code that might live in your own app or in your own apps. Um, the kinds of, so for example, if you're 
if you're adding new algorithms as extensions on library protocols or new types, new protocols, new collection types, property wrappers, those are all some examples of, of the kinds of uh, proposals that could land as part of this preview package. Conversely, some of the things that would not go in this package are types that, for example, would need to, uh, to be a core part of other language features, right? So types like optional or error that have things like semantic sugar or, um, or very deep integration to the language, right? Like, like error and, and error uh, reporting. Other examples that would not go into this package are, um, are implementations that require on that require uh, access to some of the standard library internals or, or private types, right? Like Atomics or SIMD um, are some of the examples that are that are provided. Right. So that you know honestly leaves a pretty a, a pretty big set of potential proposals. I think, um, especially if you go back and look at. Um, the proposals over the past couple of years, things that have been added, there have been a lot of um, purely additive changes um, or new types like uh, result or the identifiable protocols that could really have, have benefited from uh, this uh, proposed Swift preview package. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and this sort of leads us to a, a bit of a meta point of a lot of the changes that are being proposed and discussed in the Swift forums lately, like in the last year or so, do appear to be very cosmetic, um, right? Like removing mm-hmm. return statements, uh, alighting, um, uh, for example, case keywords as well as one of the things that was being pitched, removing commas, right? And right. it, it, it's it does seem like we're really getting um, getting sort of distracted by a lot of the uh, syntactical minutia rather than mm-hmm. looking at some of the uh, some of the broader maybe more drastic changes that we could be considering as part of the language um, you know things like concurrency model changes or or things like that um, probably outside the scope of this episode to, to start analyzing that trend, but uh, still something that, that I thought I'd bring up. Yeah. Uh, to continue with this brief digression, I, I think, I mean, it's way easier to nitpick uh, the syntactical minutia um, rather than think deeply about the concurrency model. So that might be part of it. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm uh, saying that with the complete, you know, understanding that you know, I don't actively participate in this with forums. Um, and so, right. you know, me either. even folks who are going in there and, and sharing, uh, sharing thoughts on, on syntax changes, um, you know, that's still more effort than I'm putting in. Right. So true, uh, true. not to take anything away from that, but, but the Delta between that and say, um, you know, taking on a larger project, I mentioned concurrency that comes to mind, right. Is, uh, is, is still very large. Um, and when you look at the landscape of folks who are sort of whose job it is um, to work on Swift, the language on a regular basis, you still have the vast majority of those people being being housed uh, at, at Apple HQ rather than um, 
elsewhere in the community. And hopefully that's something that we start to see a shift in. We already have to some extent with folks at Google, Apple, um, Lyft, even to some extent, some of the bigger companies that are starting to invest more at the language level. Right. And then there's the whole like TensorFlow team that's kind of off in their own world, um, talking about differentiation and other things that I don't understand. Yeah, well, hopefully we can bring some of those nice folks on the show at some point and they can uh, yeah. they can speak to it better than we can. Mm-hmm. So going back to um, sort of the, the design of this, um, there's other things that, that wouldn't be a good fit to go into the language, right? Um, if, if a change would need uh, other access to internal internals, not necessarily for it to function, but for it to be performant enough for uh, for it to be practical, then that probably also wouldn't land. Um, and then obviously things that are like a breaking change uh, to the standard library. Um, one example that's that's given here, I don't know if this is breaking exactly, uh, but would be adding a customization point to protocols, right? It's something that can't be done from the outside. Right. Yeah. Or renaming something like in, um, it was either Swift 5 or 5.1, collection i think it's is it on collection um dot index became dot first index where index where first index yeah um, swift five i, I can't remember the exact um yeah i think it got like deprecate or it became a warning in swift 4.2 and became completely uh an error in 5.0 if i'm not mistaken right yeah so so renames like that uh would not um land in the the preview although i could actually see an argument for that happening um you know if you if you want to propose a rename of something like that having it land in the preview and being able to be kind of like tested and felt out and then you know migrating that change to the the standard lib seems reasonable to me but i can also understand i guess not wanting to to do that. Yeah, uh, I, I think the gist of, of uh, the pitch that's being discussed here is really to say that uh, everything would be considered on a case-by-case basis, whether or not it, it would land in here. Right. Um, some of the other sort of design constraints are, um, well, this won't have access to uh, the internal testing tools, for example, that the official Swift Standard Library uses, right? So lit which is uh, an LLVM tool that the standard library uses for a lot of its tests and the uh, SCD lib unit test um, Mm -hmm. module that also lives in uh, the the core Swift repo uh, wouldn't be exposed to this um, sort of library preview overlay. It it really is a bit of an overlay where it's entirely additive and entirely on the outside. So it would use XC test um, and it would integrate well with Xcode. To, so to some, to some extent, this does lower the barrier to entry where you don't need to learn um, new tools like uh, these specific testing frameworks. You could just use what most of the community is already familiar with, which is XC test to develop this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is great. Um, another thing that will not be in this package is uh, Jib or Gib. Uh, for those not familiar with the acronym GYB, generate your own boilerplate. 
Uh, there's a, I think Ola Begaman wrote uh, a good post on this a while back. We can link to in the show notes, but um, that will not be allowed in the uh, Swift preview package. And that is used uh, now less than it was before um, in the standard lib, but um, it's used for types that are very similar. For example, like all of the different integer sizes have pretty much the same code. So jib is this sort of templating um, language um, that the standard library use, uses to like, generate similar types. So for example, generating all of the integer types. Yeah. Um, some of the other uh, like details in terms of how this will work is um, the proposal suggests that uh, one year after something is ported over from this preview package to the standard library, they'd remove um, the, the previous implementation. And so these would be breaking changes. Um, and so if you do end up pulling in this, uh, this preview package, do expect um, quite a few things to disappear from it over time, uh, or maybe even change over time, right? I think the whole point of this is to sort of add a little bit more um, exposure to some of the things that maybe aren't as locked down as they would be in the official standard library. So there is that trade-off there that you're that you're having to make. Mm-hmm. That being said, they have explicitly called out how uh, when types or other changes are migrated from this package to the Swift standard library, that um, your code should continue to compile. And this is done through uh, the Swift standard library shadowing, um, or, or rather you know, taking a precedence over um, over the, the things that are defined in Swift preview. Right. And we sort of saw that, um, in fact, the other way around, we saw it or, or actually, I sort of got that upside down. You, you'd have to disambiguate uh, when you're ready to migrate by prefixing the Swift dot module specifier to whatever type mm-hmm. uh, was was being um, was being used. Right. Um, yeah, that's interesting because I guess if things that have been migrated from Swift Preview to the standard lib are not going to be removed for a year, then you and you're using the Swift preview package, you'd have duplicates, duplicate symbols. Yeah. For a period of time, which that sounds clunky to... Yeah, so you so you won't have that. ...deal with if you have to prefix everything with... Ah, and wait, so how is that? So you, you won't have duplicate symbols because everything is namespaced in its module. Ah, right, right. And... Yes, and you're saying the, the standard lib will take precedent. Uh, no, I'm saying that the preview package will take precedence, um, much like if folks were using a custom implementation of result um, as it was being added to Swift 5. Um, as soon as they migrated to Swift 5, all of their previous references to result still resolved to their custom implementation until you went and, say, removed that package from your imports or you you prepended Swift dot in front of results to specify it would come from the standard library. Right, right. I'm with you. Yeah, so that sounds 
non-optimal to me. Seems like once the once a Swift version is released with new APIs that were in the preview, seems like you'd want to default to those because they would be API stable. Uh, yes, but from um, from a design perspective, to say that uh, the Swift standard library. Um, takes precedence over other libraries uh, <laughs> yeah. is sort of the the opposite of what you want most of the time. And so to make right. an exception right. in this case would probably not be very pretty. Yeah, I think it's best to see this preview package as as something that um, you know you as a consumer of it you should tightly control. Uh, so for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something that's related to this is actually the fact that uh, for versioning, they'll keep it at a major version of zero permanently, um, which in semantic versioning uh, indicates that breaking changes could happen at any point, right? So you should probably lock your usage of this preview library at a, at an exact build number right? Um, so that you can have the full control over when to use it and when not to. So another consideration is ABI stability. And uh, this package um, obviously will not be declared ABI stable. And so that ABI stability will only happen once um, proposals are migrated from the preview package into uh, the standard library. So the big caveat here is that that means you cannot use this preview package with binary frameworks. Um, But again, um, as you were just mentioning with, you know, a major version that is, uh, permanently at, at zero, um, this is very much being positioned as a sort of an experimental, um, sort of package to use. Um, so yeah, keep that users should keep that in mind. Yeah. And, and, and I very much welcome that, um, you know, back Back to the sort of shadowing discussion, just briefly. Um, because types are only really shadowed when, uh, in on a profile basis, when you import um, conflicting types, you um, you can sort of isolate the number of times or the number of files in which you uh, do import this preview package, so that uh, you are localizing any sort of conflict or shadowing to um, the files that, say, really need it, right? So uh, one thing that... That's a good idea. I'd suggest is if you do want to use this to, to really keep the smiles that the files that import this module um, very terse, right, and very concise, uh, strictly just um, integrating the, the parts of it that you want. Yeah. So, Jesse, do you think at the end of the day you'll actually use this package? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's kind of, it's hard to say at this point, um, as it's still being discussed. Um, and you know, it's hard to say, uh, without knowing what will be in it. I think, you know, maybe for, I could see myself using it. Um, if there was a feature that I really wanted to start using right away and wanted to ease a future migration, but at the same time, I think, um, you know, I, I've had good experience with just writing the exact same extension in my own code and then just deleting that when I upgrade to the next Swift version. It's a little bit more maintenance, but um, 
you know, I think it just really depends on what the um, uh, the feature is, um, what the addition to the standard library is. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and in fact, you know, in many ways, uh, if if anything that this allows is to sort of have a variant of standard library extensions that or, or additions that. Um, completely don't depend on some of the standard library internals, Mm -hmm. it does mean that you could fairly easily sort of inline that implementation um, in your own code uh, without risking sort of it not compiling because it depends on some internal uh, somewhere. So if anything, I might use um, some of the some of the code from this uh, preview package more so than importing the package itself. Um, assuming that, you know, this would be permissively licensed in a way that would allow me to do that. Right. Or I could also see um, integrating this package up until the next major Swift release and then removing it and switching over to the standard library implementations. Um, And then maybe, um, you know, if there are things outside of that release that that are still in the preview package, maybe copy those over directly or something like that. Yeah, that's a good call out. Well, hopefully by the time you listeners are listening to this, uh, this proposal has been accepted because by the time the show comes out, the active review period will be done. uh, And we look forward to seeing what comes out of this in the future. Uh, So as always, thank you for listening. My name's JP. You can catch me on Twitter at SimJP. And you can find me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Squires. And once again, thanks to Clubhouse for sponsoring. You can check them out at clubhouse.io slash Swift Unwrapped.